Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 57, NASCAR Radio, where trading cards and racing meet. I'm your pal Val, and with me is the amazing Jason. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Val. Happy to be back for another week. Definitely. And then the man, the myth, the legend, King NASCAR, Logan, how are you? Yo, I'm doing good. That's great. It's uh, been great here having racing finally back after the Olympics break here. So we got a great show today. We're going to talk about the Camping World Truck Series winners, Xfinity and Cup winners as well, and the highest finishing rookies. And then we're going to talk about in NASCAR news um, some other other interesting topics. The national attendance was reported. Uh, I was at the Hickory Show. I'll give you a report from that and then whatever else uh, we can think of tonight. So, But moving over to the Camping World Truck Series, race number 15, Watkins Glen. The race results for the United Rentals 176 at the Glen. That was Saturday, August 7th, 2021. Watkins Glen, New York. Our winner was Austin Hill. And our highest finishing rookie at position 10, was Carson Hokovar. Yes! Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! He did it! I did it, I did it, yes. Um, that was the last regular season race. So now the Truck Series playoffs standings are set. Uh, but before we get into that, though, we'll talk about Austin Hill was the big winner. Uh, John Hunter Newcheck coming in second. Austin Hill, he's rookie, his rookies are in 2021. Um so he's he's a rookie. If I even though I guess he's uh he's not running for rookie of the year. Um this is his first year of cards. So he's in the Dunruss series. He's got two cards. He's got um the regular and card number 81 and the retro 156 and and because of that he has, you know, parallels and everything for both of those cards. So as well as the optic Optic hollow, orange, Carolina blue, gold, and gold vinyl. So uh, he's got some signatures in the Optic Signature Series and also printing plates for each of those two cards in um, each color. But then he's also making an appearance in Chronicles, new re released Chronicles. He's in the Zenith and the parallels for Zenith and then Zenith autographs as well. So uh, plenty of... Austin Hill cards to chase and collect in 2021, his rookie year in uh, trading cards. And Carson Hokovar. Yes. He, I don't think he has any cards this year yet or no cards at all. So he's denied. Yeah. He's doing a great job in truck. I think he'll, uh, I think he's got a good future ahead of him. Yeah. So we're talking about the playoff standings. There's actually two rookies in the, playoffs uh carson as well and then chandler smith uh, haley deegan did not make the cut for the playoffs but i think she finished or not that the season's over so far you know i think she finished right outside of the playoff picture so not too bad this year for her the next race uh for truck race number 16 they're actually taking a few weeks off uh, they'll be back august 20th at the Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, which is in Madison, Illinois. Yep, that's right across from St. Louis, across the Mississippi River. Uh, we'll talk about that one uh, before it happens. But so that's the next race. So they're uh, they're all ready for the playoffs, and then uh, they catch a little break here before they actually start the playoffs. So moving over to the Xfinity Series, that was the 26th annual Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200. <laughs> uh, and that was at I, had, the I had some of those this weekend did you I yeah not. that was saturday august 7th uh 2021 at watkins glen in watkins glen new york international or watkins glen international at watkins glen new york she's uh 2.45 mile road course so uh that was 82 laps and our winner was Ty freaking Gibbs. And highest yeah, who is also the highest finishing rookie. That is his third win of the season. 
that kid is on fire. I think it was in 11 races or 10 races, he has eight top 10s and three wins. So I just got to say, I think they're all very relieved that he's not running a full schedule. So he's not eligible to win the championship this year. So, yeah, he would not be denied uh, those last several laps. You know, Almendinger got out on the restart, that last restart, but uh, Ty Gibbs ran him down and passed him. <laughs> it was it was something to see. So what's interesting is that, you know, he's doing so well in Xfinity, but he's also running the Arca Menard series as well. And he's run 13 of the 13 races. And I believe that's where he's collecting points and going for the championship. He's ranked number one right now. Like I said, it was 13 races. He's won seven of those, and he's has he has 12 top fives of his 13. <laughs> <laughs> so that is uh, freaking amazing. So I know you know he's in good equipment, but I, I don't think that you know just because you're in good equipment, I think you have to have a little bit of talent as well. So and not I don't know if it's. If I'm saying it right or not, but I think it's a good combination that they have running there. So, like I said, he's he's running those ten races in Xfinity, but he's also running those races in the Arkham Menard series too, and going for the championship. So, pretty dang impressive. Yep, he's got the uh, Arkham Menard series championship in, within his grasp. I don't know how many more races they've got, but I think they do like twenty races or something like that. So he's got a handful of more races. So chances are the way he's going, statistically, he'll win half of those. Yeah, so they're showing in 2019, 2020, there were 20 races. Uh, he ran 11 of those in 2019 with two wins, and then he ran 16 of the 20 last year with six wins. Uh, he finished fifth last year in points. So he's just lights out, I think, when, when he's racing. So, And I know we've talked about his cars before. Uh, last year, basically in 2020, Chronicles in the Crusades, Phoenix, Score, Spectra, and then Prism. He has signatures. Uh, he's got signatures in like the Crusades, Phoenix, Score as well. But uh, Prism, it's just signatures. And then one thing that I noticed, or we know the guys here at NASCAR Radio, and this, and that's why one of the reasons you listen to the show is, you know, doing a deep dive on 2021. Uh, I don't think he really has that many cards this year that um, I was kind of taken back. We talked about it before with Don Russ and because of the optic, it has because his card is the retro 88 design. And I was actually just looking them up as we were talking. Even that it was 1199 or best offer. So I'd imagine it's between the seven and eight dollar range. But for a base second year technically chrome or optic card, whatever you want to call it. That's pretty good, especially for a racing card. And I guess we had talked about it before where he's not, he doesn't have any Dunros cards. He's just in the optic. Right. And then in Chronicles, I thought, well, you know, he, since he was in so many Chronicles series last year that he would be the same this year, but doing a deep dive on that, he has Chronicle swatches and, there's a few different numbered versions, but once you get out of the base or the non-numbered Chronicle swatches, it's basically 49 and below serial numbered for those. And then in the Spectra, he ha he has the card and the parallels as well of serial number 99, 49, 25, 10, and 1. And then in the Obsidian it's just signatures, and then you have the base or unnumbered signature, but then it's 25, 10, and 5. So really, it's the Spectra is his only card in Chronicles. Mm -hmm. That's a base card. So I think that was kind of surprising. Uh, and then, you know, with the signatures, it's just that one brand. I, last year, he was in Crusades and Score and uh, the other ones we mentioned so I think, I guess maybe they're going to load them up in Prism. I'm not sure, but I think, you know, if you know that and you're looking for that and you can find some bargains, because I'm sure they're going to be out there. And I was talking with Logan. It's probably something to look for uh, after the season as well. So, 
Yeah, I mean, he's only got 16 different cards within Chronicles, and four of those are one-on-ones. Yeah, so he's 18 and uh, doing very well. So so something we talked about you know, before we started recording, and I don't want to start a controversy or nothing like that, but I'm looking at his Chronicles autographs from 2021 in the Obsidian. Yep. There is not one signature that looks like the next <laughs> i mean we talked about his signature was simple and borderline bad but he's got five or six in the completed sold on ebay and if you didn't know better you would think one was him and one somebody else signed i mean they are very different from one card to the next one sticker to the next i should say yeah, I noticed that too. There's just no consistency whatsoever. No. It's like he just like, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's, I'm sure he's a busy, a busy guy, but I'm sure he was just trying to rifle through those things pretty quick and get them knocked out because I, we've all seen pictures of all these athletes with all these cards and stickers and things that Panini asked them to sign. So that, to, if I looked at that, it would be a, like a daunting task. It, that would take me days and days to get that, some of that stuff done. Now, so these are stickers, and they would have sent the sticker sheet in, and they would have signed them and sent them back. I guess the real test is going to be Prism, because Prism's going to be on card this yeah. year. It's going to be curious to see what they look like. It's kind of strange if there's no consistency with the signatures. That's not saying that he didn't sign them, but, you know, without that consistency. so I'm not trying to be funny, but it's... There's no consistency, but it's like they're consistently bad. Like <laughs> you can tell, he is not signing Ty Gibbs. He is signing Ty, and some of them look like a cursive D. The way that he does it, it's or or I'm looking at one that looks like a cursive scriptish capital R. They're so crazy, but you can definitely tell on some of them that he is just signing ty and he is just like like logan said he is trying to get through these as fast as possible not like his grandfather no which which is um i don't say a piece of uh, artwork or not but he definitely doesn't do it a quick way but it's a lot of little lines and it makes like a triangle and some other stuff if i remember right but a lot of ink for him but it doesn't yeah. seem like ty is just you know and it's some of those Young guys like Brandon Jones jumps out at me. His his autograph is is similar to that. Yes, um, and it might be the new guys. I I I love to talk to that person who tells them, hey, uh, you know, they all go through that training for uh, public relations or whatever it is. And if you sign, you know, quickly, then you can get more people. You, know, you can sign or more guests or whatever. You you can get uh, more folks stuff autographed or whatever so yeah don't don't tell that to richard petty <laughs> <laughs> no actually any of those old timer guys you know even david pearson when he signed he would sign and junior johnson would sign you could read their names even dale earnhardt yep so now that's, when, that's when they still that's when they still taught cursive in school though <laughs> i was gonna say jimmy johnson is decent he and um even Jeff Gordon too. So, but we'll have to keep a note of that, Jason, and and come back to that when Prism hits and look at those autographs. So, but I mean, how does you know Panini know who does what? They send them the sticker sheets and they sign them and they send them back. So, yeah, maybe maybe his girlfriend's doing it. We don't know. Here we go. Know. It's Luca Doncic all over again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he needs an auto pin. But, you know, I was just thinking about Brad, but Brad signs those stickers. Fine. Don't you don't want to send it to the shop because I think they auto pen at the shop. But unless it's maybe the cars or something like that, that's why I was like, you know, getting them in person, getting those signed on their rookie cards and stuff. I guess that's why I haven't sent for like for Haley Deegan or any of them. I haven't sent through the mail. I've been waiting in person and Ty would be the same way. I'd try to get that sign in person but back to the Xfinity series 
Uh, next race, race number 21. That is at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Pennzoil 150. That is Saturday, August 14th, 4 p.m. Stages are 20, 20, 22 laps for 150 miles. Yeah, they're using the road course there. They're not going to be doing the oval. So it's going to be different this year for the, the brickyard, so to speak. That's where they're running backwards, right? Or no? I, I'm not sure which direction. If they run it backwards, that's the way Formula One did it. So, so I want to say that's what they did last year, right? If I remember right. Uh, Getting old. <laughs> I've slept since then, so I can't tell you. I ain't here. But it should be a good race. We'll see. Uh, I don't know if Ty is running that race or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the entry list is, but you know, if he if he's in there, he'll probably win. <laughs> <laughs> Moving over to Cup. That was the 35th annual Go Bowling at the Glen Sunday, August 8th, 2021, Watkins Glen International at Watkins Glen, New York. That was one of the races I was able to watch. And uh, Kyle Larson won that one, but I think if that race would have been about 10 more laps, Chase Elliott might have caught up, caught up with him. He had to start in the back and worked his way up uh, through the field most of the day. So, But that was 1-2 for Hendrick Motorsports. I guess they finished or uh, picked up right where they finished. Yeah, as usual. Um, nobody seems to be able to stop those guys these days. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. You know, I don't know what they found, but they got something on the field for sure. It's interesting that Joe Gibbs Racing finished third, fourth, and fifth. Montreux, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and then uh, William Byron was sixth. Yep, and then Gibbs, another Gibbs car was seventh. So, I mean, in the top seven, you had all Gibbs or Hendrick cars. Yeah. I'm going to if that's a preview for uh, deep in the playoffs there. You know, talking about this being the go bowling at the Glen, is anybody out there, and, and go look for this on YouTube or, or Google it, but has anybody ever seen the, the video with Jason Belmonte? He's a professional bowler. Uh, I think last year he was ranked number one in the world. Uh, in fact, I like him. I think he's from Australia. But anyway, there's a video with – him in the passenger seat of Eric Almarola's car, and they're in Charlotte. He chunks a bowling ball out of the window of the car, and they get it. They have uh, ten pins lined up on the track. The pins hit the. I mean, the ball hits the pins, and they get a strike. It's really a cool video. You need to go look at it. Wow, I don't remember that one. Well, you need to Google it. <laughs> I will have to after the show. <laughs> And then our highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe at position number nine. Uh, Kyle Larson, we've talked about him quite a bit with his five wins this season. Uh, basically, 2013 press pass fanfare with a few different parallels for that. And then 2013 total memorabilia. And there's only a handful of those. Uh, card number 47, the red uh, 47 at a retail gold number to 275 in black and white serial number to 99 in the autograph. So those are getting hard to find. Yeah, they are. They're starting to dry up now. Everybody's uh, uh, holding on to them, I think, for that final four push uh, deep in the playoffs. So he looks like he is the man to beat. Yeah, he is. Uh, I would put him at the top of the list right now. He's going to have enough playoff points racked up to where – he should be able to cruise through uh, all the, you know, the playoffs, and he should be able to get to the final four, kind of like what Martin Truex did several years ago. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing with Martin Truex, where that first year he was gobbling up those points and cruised there into uh, final four. Uh, so, next race, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Verizon 200, and that's Sunday, August 15th. 1 p.m. Eastern. Stages are 15, 35, 82 for 200 uh, miles. And the playoff standing so far after Watkins Glen, which we've talked about, um, you know, Kyle Larson is in uh, basically position one with five wins, Martin Truex with three wins, Alex Bowman's with three, and then uh, Kyle Bush with two. Down to position 
uh, 11, uh, sorry, uh, position 14, where we start with Denny Hamlin first on points. And Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick's plus 15 over the line. And then outside looking in is Austin Dillon to minus 15. And then Chris Buescher minus 135. So uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, um, to be a fly on the wall at that shot with Tyler Reddick and Austin <laughs> Dillon. One of those guys is going to make the playoffs and one of them right now is not going to be making the playoffs and they're both in the same shop, you know? Yeah. But you know, anything, anything can still happen. I mean, we've got how many more races we got left three or yeah. Three more yeah, races. Three, three more races. Yep. I mean, we could get a surprise winner. I mean, we could have one this weekend, this next weekend in, in Indy because I don't think anybody really knows that track. They've never, the cup guys have never raced on, on this road course configuration. So anything can happen, we may, and that could knock out Tyler Reddick. You know, if we could get, you know, somebody other than Hamlin or, you know, well, somebody other than anybody in the top uh, 13 right now. So who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But well, I to think your point, I, if we have two new winners, you know, that knocks Harvick and Reddick out if they're not the, they're not the winner. So, and, and Hamlin's not a winner. So. Yeah, I still, you know, we're 23 races in, and the two guys that tore it up last year have not even got a win this year in Hamlin, Hamlin and Harvick. It's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I think that they have like 14 wins combined last year, and they have none this year. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But then, meanwhile, um, Kyle Busch was struggling last year, and then he's got two wins this year, so... Very interesting. It's it's getting uh, getting exciting. Yeah, I think uh, Kyle Larson is not far from taking over the actual points lead for the season so far. I think him and Denny Hamlin are pretty close. I haven't looked at – well, actually, I think they're tied. They are tied. They are tied, 9-17. Yep, 9-17. So they're tied right now. That just goes to show you how consistent Hamlin's been. Yeah, the pre-playoff race, he would be uh, he'd be Mr. Consistent. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Also, Chase Briscoe, we've talked about him previously as well. Uh, rookies are in 2018, uh, Panini certified. He's in the Panini Prime, and then. Uh, Panini Prism, just with signatures, with the scripted signatures, and then 2018 Victory Lane signatures as well. So basically, 2018 certified is uh, his base cards first year with the numerous different parallels in 2018 certified. Yeah, I wish we would have bought those boxes when we saw them instead of waiting around at the National. I think those were 2016 certified, but... Oh, that's right. That's right. They were 2016. But I, you don't see 2018 certified much. There's a lot of stuff you don't see very much right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the 2013 fanfare, you know, with Kyle Larson's rookie, when was the last time you saw any of that? I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw any of that or the total memorabilia even. It's been a few years. Um, one of, I don't know if it was Blowout or whatever had blaster boxes. Um this was numerous years ago, but yeah, it's kind of all dried up. You don't see the fanfare boxes. Uh, some blasters. I think I've got, yeah, I got two blasters of 2012. I need to open up a fanfare, but not 13. I think somebody had one box, but I think they wanted like hundreds of dollars for that. So uh, these people with the last few boxes left, they've got some exorbitant prices on them. So. Yeah, just like what we saw at the National, you know, I've got it, and you don't, and it's hard to find, so I'm going to charge exorbitant prices, and if you want to buy it, you're going to have to pay that exorbitant price. Right. Uh, actually, and moving over to, like, the next segment here, um, I was at the Hickory Show in Hickory, North Carolina this last weekend. Uh, Harry Gant was there signing, and he looks fabulous for his age. And uh, a lot of racing, NASCAR, cards, wax at the show. Really surprised 
I did see some 91 tracks, wax boxes for 45. Uh, 1988 Max, the gentleman had three boxes. I think he wanted 350 each for them. I don't wow. think they sold. Uh, he did have a box 90 Max. I think it was 30 bucks. What other boxes did he have? I didn't see a ton of unopened wax. I uh, did see some uh, some cards and stuff like that. Some Harry Gantz and, and Max. Um I did see some 88 Max boxes. Oh, I did see a tool, 89 Max toolbox set for 100 I was mm. tempted to, to pick that up. Yeah, that's borderline for me. I would, If I could pick them up for 75 bucks, I think I'd be happy. Yeah, I meant to go back over there and offer him 75 but I didn't. But yeah, I um, had gotten my 1986 Sportstar Photographics autographed. I uh, cracked it out. Uh, it was a PSA 8. Cracked it out and had him sign that, so... It was good to see him. Uh, he was taking donations and then uh, I think matching that for the Victory Junction camp. So it was great to see him there. He's a future Hall of Famer, I'm sure. Mr. September. Yeah, I think he's also the Highlander. Uh, I think in the end there can be only one and it may be him. He might be right. Because <laughs> he looks pretty young. He, him and uh, John, bon, John Bon Jovi, I think it's going to be between those two guys. Taking good care of themselves at the age. Yep. <laughs> He's born in 1940, it says here. 1940. Uh, wow. January 10th, 1940. Capricorn. Wow. So he's eight, 81? Yep. Yeah. And Towersville, North Carolina, it says on the back of the 86 Sports Star Photographics. And his well, I remember. Still better than half the people out there. No kidding. I remember back in the day, I think it was back on an old ESPN telecast. They were talking about him, and he used to be, I think, a roofer uh, back in the day before he started you know, racing in NASCAR. And they said he could just, by his fingertips, he could you know, get up, get up underneath like on a door sill or something and, and raise himself up you know, do, and do pull-ups <laughs> like that just with his fingertips. He was so strong. From you know doing all that roofing and stuff, and they 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 showed something. If I remember correctly, there was a video of that. And it was, you know, that that was back in the '80s. That's been a long time ago. But yeah, he's he's a strong dude. You don't want to mess with him. And at 81 years old, God, he looks fantastic. I I don't know if he colors his hair or not, but even if he does, he still <laughs> still looks great. I was pulling up his record: uh, 474 races with 18 wins and 123 top fives. 20, 22 years. Yeah, I remember in 1991, he won like four races in a row, and they called him Mr. September. And there was one race, and I remember, I forget which, which race it was. It was, I think it was Martinsville or something like that. Anyway, he crashed, and Benny Parsons goes, well, uh, sorry to tell all you Gary, Harry Gantt fans, but he's not going to win today. And so he won't be, get four in a row. And then sure enough, he won. And uh, Benny Parsons had to eat his words, but he he ended up coming back and winning the dang race even after crashing. He was he was on a tear. Yeah, that was a 1991 Goodies 500. Oh, so uh, I was right. Dang, you, unbelievable. You were right. Yep. Now, uh, I, I didn't look that up. I promise. I just that's strictly all from memory. Yeah. So he he led 226 laps that day. Yeah, that I'm was looking at the racing reference. If you if you're not familiar with the racing reference, everybody. Uh, it's a great uh, reference for racing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like, uh, like your baseball almanac. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, racing-reference.info if you want the URL. Yes, but I didn't know that he had crashed. So yeah, he was driving an Oldsmobile. Yep. Uh, let's see what yep. he wins. Sixty-four thousand dollars that day. No, yeah. Yeah. that was so funny with Benny Parsons going. Well, I hate to tell all you Harry Gimp fans. Blah blah blah. <laughs> he had to eat his words. That's pretty impressive there, winning uh, four races in a row. Yeah, that's that's a hard feat to do. I mean, not many people do that. Um, Kyle Larson almost did it this year. I was going to say, ask Kyle Larson. He had a blowout, Vapor 3. Oh, my. I still can't believe that last <laughs> la that last corner. Yeah. Well, it, it ain't over like till over. That's right. Uh, also, we got some news from the National. Yeah. The National today sent out an email, 
and they said that uh, this the attendance was strong. This was a great national, one of the greatest, one of the greatest ever. But they said that the attendance numbers were just slightly under the Anaheim show in 1991 of 100,000. So I guess we probably had 99,999 people. So barely missed it. I think that has to do with Saturday and Sunday. You know, we talked about, I think, the other day where Wednesday was kind of busy, but then when the the VIP time came and they opened the doors, there was a flood. And then Thursday, Friday was the same way. I think people just flew in. We talked about a little bit earlier, Logan, that there was, you know, how much you think about how much things are now compared to what they were two years ago. So everything is more expensive. But Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I think everybody just kind of uh, spent all their money. And then Saturday and Sunday, they got it. They got out of town, I guess, either expecting Saturday and Sunday to be crazy or uh, they were going back to where they came from. And then Saturday and Sunday seemed like a normal, a normal show, I guess, attendance-wise. Yep, for sure. Um, I think the, a lot of the high rollers came in. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and did their business, bought their cards, did what they wanted to do, and got the hell out of Dodge. And Saturday and Sunday were just like normal collector days because when we were there Saturday, it wasn't as busy as I thought it would be. I honestly thought it was going to be busier than what it was. So that's probably what hurt the attendance numbers for sure. And what was the number about uh, first-time attendees? Do you remember? They said- 47% of the VIP tickets or tickets that they sold were first time attendees, 47%. Which is amazing. You know, almost 50% of the people there, were, this was their first time. So that, you know, hopefully they had an enjoyable experience and, you know, th- that will carry over to Atlantic city next year. Or if you're a kin, you're looking forward to Chicago in 2023. Something I noticed this year, it felt like at least people that I am friends with on social media, I saw a lot more pictures of people around town and like going to the Cubs game, going to the White Sox games. Like I saw a lot more extracurricular activities than I've seen in the past. And I think a lot of that goes into that first time statistic, because if you're in a city and it's the first time you've been there, that's the baseball games, those landmarks, those are things that you're going to check out just in case you never get to go back. And I think that kind of all makes sense and kind of wraps itself together. Yeah, that that's a good point. And not only that, you've got a lot of first time collectors there and you know, they're, they're not hardcore like we are. Where, you know, Val and I, we stayed there as much as we could stay there. Right. But, you know, you get these guys that are new to the hobby. They're not hardcore. Now they all go in, hit an hour or two, look around, find some cards. And then I'll go, like you said, go hit some landmarks, go to a ball game, go to the, go to the Sears Tower or whatever they call that, Willis Tower now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that was part of it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the guys that we travel with, I think they went to some of the games. Of course, you know, we went to the Tops night or the Tops Q&A one night and then White Castle one night and um, <laughs> trying to find something to eat. I guess it was Wednesday night because kitchen closes at 9, 9.30. <laughs> yeah, we actually went up and had that Raising Cane's chicken, which – I couldn't believe we don't have Raising Cane's here in Memphis, and that place has started out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and they've got them in freaking Chicago. I don't understand that. They missed you. And then trying to find a Coke slushy at 7-Eleven. Yeah, Coke, Coke Slurpee. Yeah, I think that's Slurpee. a conspiracy as well. I don't know. It was four or five 7-Elevens you, we had to hit until you found one. Five? We okay. went to five 7-Elevens before we actually found a Coke Slurpee machine that actually worked. Which I, I don't understand that. I mean, they had all kinds of other flavors, but the Coke—it's a conspiracy. I'm telling you. They all refilled them at the same time. None of them were cold enough to uh, be called Slurpee. So, anyway, but then the kitchen's closing at nine thirty or nine o'clock, wherever it was, and then couldn't find some place to eat. So, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've heard it from a few people that, you know, you, you go to the national your first time. And I guess, you know, there's no right or wrong way. But, um, you know, the show is only open for so long. And, you know, if you're sitting in the redemption line at Panini or at Tops for a rec- rapper redemption, you know, and you're in there for a few hours or you come to the show late or, uh, you know, you leave for lunch and come back. There's a lot to see. Um, you know, one advantage we have, Logan, is if we can, I don't know how many tables we went and asked, you know, if they had any NASCAR, you know, they pause for a second, think, and say, no, no NASCAR. So um, we could, I think it was a day or two, and we had pretty much hit all the tables once and got an idea of, you know, who had what. But if you're a baseball collector, it's pretty much every table. Pretty much. You know, if it's a new or old vintage, I guess it would be the only only question. But lot to see, lot to do. They had the different promo packs, and I don't know if Beckett did their scavenger hunt stuff as well. But you know, they go to what's that? They did. Okay, yeah. So I mean, you know, that that's something to do. The Go GTS stage, they had something going on pretty much all the time. Uh, if you're waiting in line, you know, at PSA or one of the other grading card companies, uh, time goes by quick. But lots of fun having to get that, uh, getting back to the real world. Yeah. So, hey, going back to the Hickory Show, did you uh, did you see a lot of graded there, graded cards? I mean, I'm talking about all sports, not you know, not just like NASCAR or anything. But I mean, was it a lot of was it a lot of shiny cards, vintage. I mean, what kind of cards did you see there? They, I don't think we saw, I saw a lot of graded. Uh, we have some of the same uh, dealers that come. Uh, there's one gentleman has got binders of older cards. They're non-graded. I didn't walk around the show too much. Uh, got there late on Saturday. Did not go back on Sunday. A lot of uh, wax, junk wax. And uh, one of the guys had a, had a uh, baseball card exchange wrapped Star Wars 5th Series 1977 issue that he was showing off, which was pretty cool. Oh, don't even get me started on those. I remember <laughs> all, these all those things were new. Uh, well, I remember those as well um, and and buying some little packs. So. Uh, but there's a guy next to us selling singles. I don't know how they did. The show was a three-day show. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think it was, I don't know if it was two to whatever on Friday. Couldn't make it. Uh, I don't know. Wes, he always has that show the weekend after the national, uh, which is good and bad. I guess you get the folks who I got to see everything or saw at the national and, and wanting to go to a card show. But then, you know, having been the week, off the week before, then trying to get back to work and then taking Friday off. I couldn't take Friday off to, to go to that show. So it's just a lot going on, but there was, it was a lot. It, I'm trying to think of the number of tables that were there. Uh, it was a good size. And I think he had a toy show the week before uh, the weekend of the national. And so he had split usually as a toy and NASCAR or trading card show, but it was a pretty good crowd. I think was uh, Harry Gant, the only signer. There was a wrestler there as well. I do not remember who. He had this like chainmail hat. Um, that Bob was all I remember. Maybe. So let down right now. Why? You mentioned wrestler. I expect you to know. Come back with all the details. Well, I. Hey, it was Harry Gant <laughs> and some other guy, <laughs> <laughs> Mister September. I don't know who the other guy was. Hold on, let me see if I can find. It's not Sputnik Monroe, is it? <laughs> Yeah, because we're actually recording today, so I can go to a wrestling show tomorrow. Alrighty. So tell me about that. <clears throat> so it's AEW, which is like the new alternative brand. Um, it's on TNT every week, and it's going to be in Pittsburgh tomorrow. So it's like 45 minutes from me uh, up at the Pitt campus. Uh, so going to that, they're actually going to be there Wednesday and Friday for two different shows that are both going to be on TV. So, are you sitting on the front row, Jason? No, no, not uh, on my salary. Um, I'm 
not too bad though. I, my tickets were like ninety bucks, hundred bucks, something like that. Uh, so I'm not too bad. I'm lower, lower level. Yeah, I'll be looking for you. See, I'm I'm opposite the entrance, and if it's on like during the match, I'm to the right, and I think I don't think I'd ever be on TV. But Ooh. anyways, to figure out who it was. He doesn't have it on there. I gotta check my email because I know I got an email on it. It's gotta be Scott Steiner. Yeah, AEW. That's the license that Upper Deck, that Upper Deck just got. Yep. And yeah, something pretty... interesting about their product is, let me confirm real quick. But I don't think there's a guaranteed hit in the box. That's surprising. For I think it's gonna be like golf was years ago. Say that again. So AEW is the one that Upper Deck just signed. Right. And shoot. Steel City just posted it for sale today and it's already out of stock <laughs> for pre-sales. At least the single boxes. I didn't check the case. Um per box you are guaranteed two serial number, a few inserts. But no hits. You are not guaranteed a hit per box. And that's the same thing that golf was in 2001. Okay. So the wrestler was Scott Snyder. Yeah, as soon as you said chain mail, I mean, that's a giveaway. But That's what I figured. That was his signature thing. When mm -hmm. I see them at the shows, they, they're usually in character with uh, Sergeant Slaughter with his hat. and Yeah, that, for the most part. Chin. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I was you know more interested with Harry Gant. So, I got you. So it says there were three hundred wall to wall tables at that at that show I was at. So it was decent size. That's cool. We've got a show this weekend, and they're moving from their old old facility to a, a new facility in, in Bartlett, which is going. They're going from like I forget how many tables he had before. I'd say. 40 or so, but he's going to have 60 tables at this new show. I mean, this, this thing is really more because when he first started doing these shows, he, he had like 20 something tables. I mean, it wasn't very much. I mean, he had this itty bitty room and you'd go in there and then, you know, you'd look around and in 10 minutes you were done and you could leave. But now it's, it's really grown. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of stuff they've got post-national. So it'll be fun. You know, I think the show schedules are going to be, uh, you know, better and better here coming in the future. You know, eBay is getting to be a chore, I guess, you know, uh, selling on it. And I just think, you, you know, that interaction, looking at the items, and I just think the shows are going to get better and better as the next few years. Yep, uh, shows are definitely back. I'm I'm very excited about that. I mean, that just takes me back to the good old days when I used to go to shows in the late '70s, or you know, through the '80s and into the '90s. Uh, it was it's just nostalgic for me. You know, it's it's fun to go up and deal with the dealers and haggle on prices and look at cards and you know, and just talk with people, you know, I, I have a lot of, I won't say a lot, but I've got several people that set up at that show that I've been friends with. There's one guy in particular, I've known him since he was a little kid. He used to come over to my house when I was a teenager and uh, we would trade cards. And, uh, you know, now he's a grown, grown man. He's got his own kids. It's, you know, he calls himself Bob, but, uh, you know, I always call him Bobby cause that's how I know him <laughs> when he was a little kid. Yeah, I was going to say with the show in Hickory or, you know, Harry Gant being there, Dean, uh, you know, he's somebody I met at the card shop in uh, my area oh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, to see some of these guys as we've all gotten older, to your point, you know, you build some of those relationships at the shows over time. So it's good. To, it's good. It's cool. It's another, you know, we talk about. Um, the hobby, but then also the people as well. So, yeah, I probably spend as much time talking to people, or probably actually more than I do actually looking at cards while I'm there. 
because it, it's just, you know, we just talk about whatever, you know, talk about the good old days, you know. The, one, I know one guy, he was the original owner of the only PSA 10 Pete Rose rookie card. He was the wow. he owned it originally and he sold it for like little or nothing like a long time ago. And he's like, man, I wish I had that card back now. <laughs> Definitely. Can you imagine a PSA 10 Pete Rose, I mean Pete Rose rookie from 1963. Holy smokes. I don't even know what that goes for now. Uh, it's above my pay grade. Yeah, me too. Uh, one other thing too is um, speaking of the national is Com C, you know, they were taking um what's right what's the right term you go to their table and and um you know enter their raffles for the breaks and the ty dillon cards i have not seen uh any news about that yet when that's going to be distributed or, or given out or whatever to the or, or winners awarded yeah they they had those plus you know they had i think 100 ty gibbs cards each day and then they also had the hits from the breaks that they did which one of them was that justin herbert clear uh, autograph card from uh, contenders. So if anybody out there has had anything hit or, you know, knows, knows when those things are going to hit, hit the com C accounts, you know, let us know, DM us or, you know, hit us on Twitter or something. Yeah, it was Ty Dillon cards. I'd be happy with a Ty Dillon card. Well, I was going to say, you said Ty Gibbs, I thought, but. Did I say Ty Gibbs? I wish it was a hundred Ty Gibbs. It was oh, 100 Ty, Ty Dillon uh, for Friday, I think a hundred Ty Dillons for Saturday as well. So, uh, and th then to your point, all the other uh, cars that were hit or in the breaks that they're giving away. So, there's quite a bit. I know, you know, I don't know how many people came by, but I was, I don't think it was maybe a few hundred a day. So, got a good chance. Yep. Of winning, good. So. Yep. Hey, it's not racing related per se, but they and. I got the email today from Calm C that they had their one millionth submission. Uh, it was actually a Joey Gallo card. Yeah, I think I don't know if we were talking to Andy or somebody else about that. Um, you know, they knew that hundred card were was coming in, or and that they were kind of. I think they were stopping the e packs from coming in. They didn't want it to be the. They didn't mm. want it to be one of the e packs. Yeah, you mean million? You, you said you said hundred. Yeah, millions. Yeah, we're, we're really doing good tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm telling saying, you, live. <laughs> I'm saying Ty Gibbs instead of Ty Dillon. <laughs> I think it was wishful thinking, yeah. So, uh, let's see, about Com C, I saw something about football submissions, I guess, for the football season to get those in. Um, I just sent a new batch in myself to, to see. I don't know if you saw, Logan, that NASCAR is gonna, going to award – uh, the Wendell Scott family, the trophy from 1964. It's man, that's a long, long time overdue. So the story with that is, I think it was the 1960, it was 1963 season. Uh, it was in December of, maybe it was the 64 season, but it was 1963 uh, December that he won that race. Well, um, if memory serves me right, uh, say it's like a 200 mile race. Um, Buck Baker was declared the winner, but then Wendell Scott, I guess, contested it. Uh, you know, they didn't have the scoring computers and everything they have now, but, uh, then it was found that Wendell Scott actually was the winner. And actually, so if the race was 200 miles, Wendell Scott's got 201, <laughs> uh, if you look in the record books. But Buck Baker got that trophy, and I guess, I don't know if he got the money or not, but Buck Baker took that trophy, and I guess he was out of there, but uh, Wendell Scott never got the trophy for the win. Is that correct, Logan? That, that did, I butcher it? did I butcher it too bad? No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, that was in Jacksonville. Uh, yeah. They they declared him the winner. I think, oh gosh, I don't even think it was the next day. I think it was several days later. They they said he was the winner. They I don't know. It, it just I think the whole thing was was terrible what they did. And 
Well, and Buck, I'm, Buck glad, I'm glad that I'm glad that they finally are straightening that out. That's one man that I wish I could have met in person is Wendell Scott. Uh, I have met his his uh, daughter before. In fact, I actually sat with her at the Hall of Fame once, and she was really really nice to talk to. But yeah, it's just it's just long overdue. It just it's just long overdue. Yeah, no, you know we've met them at the Hall of Fame. Uh, induction ceremony, fantastic, uh, folks. So, so happy for the family, but that you know, Book Baker had that that trophy and uh, either had never given it back or whatever happened. And I know the Wendell Scott family has been pushing for that trophy, so NASCAR is going to make that right with that uh, at the end of August, I believe. So, yeah, kudos cool. to NASCAR for sure. To get that straightened out. So I did see that come across the wire. Yeah, I, I must have missed that. I didn't see that. So it's still a few weeks out. Um, so we'll look for that later on in this month. So uh, I don't know if we got anything else to add today. Any parting shots? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you wanted to talk about the Dale Earnhardt rookie card for a little bit. Didn't you say there was something going on on the nut side? There was some... <laughs> Yeah, I saw um, one, one, of the, one of the YouTube guys, uh, Nuts, you know, was kind of putting up a vote asking folks what they thought was a true rookie. And, you know, the 88 Max promo or the 88 Max card number 87, which was the um, 87 championship, that was a short print, or the 1989 Max that was available in packs, the first one. You know, or the 83 Uno, or maybe the 82 Kidco. Uh, so, you know, people had different opinions. Some of them liked the 83 Uno because it was his first card, even though it was more of it's kind of a mystery how that was. Uh, I'm assuming it was given out as a Uno corporate sponsor type thing. It was not a, essentially a large track giveaway or anything like that. Um, you know, we talk about the. 88 that you know and they also had the 88 uh number to 999 which is out of that 94 max medallion you know that was a redemption and the 88 max promo 88 max card number 99 promo that was produced but never officially released because of you know the contract or whatever so but the first one you know if you want to add a wax packs or factory sets or whatever would have been the 89 89 max so so people were going back and forth with their opinions so i didn't know what you thought logan well you know i've, I've always well not always but I, I i say that it's the 1983 uno um you know i know that wasn't a widely released card in fact it's really hard to find but to me that's his his rookie card you know like what you said if if you if you go strictly by cards issued in packs, then the eighty nine would would be the one. You know, you know if anybody's saying that card number eighty seven in the eighty eight max is his rookie, that just shows a car. That doesn't really show you much. And that, that's not. I mean, he, that's sure, with the whole team car. standing there. You know, yeah, giving the three. That doesn't symbol. do it for me. That that just doesn't work. So, so two things. Uh, sorry, I thought you were done. No, go ahead. I was going to add two things because, you know. As always, my perspective is, you know, coming in new and the outsider learning as I go. With racing cards and how you said a lot of people consider rookie cards are the ones that come from packs. I don't think you can do that with racing cards because you don't have as many options. And it's definitely a different way of collecting even now. And then I can imagine what it was 30, 40 years ago your options were so limited and it seemed like a lot of them were promotional options as opposed to packs at a convenience store or whatever. And then also not necessarily defending the video of the guy that the guy made, but I also saw where he didn't include some cards because he didn't have them, which I kind of thought handcuffed him from the beginning because you're automatically not including something that may or may not be rare. And then if somebody watches the video that's uneducated, they're just assuming, well, you know, 
this card is the rookie, I'm not going to consider that one because it wasn't mentioned. So it depends on how you look at it, I guess. Well, I didn't know he didn't have all the cards in the video. I haven't looked at the video or haven't seen anything about that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you have to have all the options available in order to make the proper decision. If so I you think he had all the things, cards in the video, but the ones that he didn't include were the ones that he didn't have. So that's why the Uno wasn't in there. Right. He didn't have the Kidco or, or the Uno. And again, you know, have, having one of each of those is a, a monumental task because they're rare and they're expensive if you don't have them already. Yeah, but I'm still sticking with 83 Uno. That's, that's what I'm going with. But I think, Jason, you bring up a great point that, you know, this is not, you know, tops and not your, you know, you know, the, the people from baseball look at it where they've got, you know, from 1952 to now. But if you were collecting back in the 50s, you know, would you say, oh, well, uh, pre-tops, would, would that be somebody's rookie card or not? Right. You know, it, because NASCAR has only been, you know, with, with cards since 1988. So, um, you know, they don't have this big massive 70 years or whatever of cards to, to look back on and, and set a precedent. So, uh, you know, a lot of these early ones were promotional giveaways, just like early baseball, early football, stuff like that. So uh, I guess time will tell. But, you know, and this thing we talked with Tim uh, at the you know national about rookie cards and stuff, and you know like okay, well, there's not the rookie card, I guess, until you know maybe they get to the cup level. Well, some guys never go to the cup level. Some guys go to the cup and then come come down as well, and they're in these lower levels. So, you know, what if they go to truck and they stay at truck, or they go up the cup and then come back down? You know, so I, I always look at their first cards, I guess, as their rookie cards. Yeah, me too. And, you know, you're talking about that Kidco card. You know, that one, you know, sure, that's Earnhardt, but it, it just shows his car again. So, you know, to me, it's when you're showing the actual driver or player or whatever, I think those are the ones that, you know, you have to put on the list for sure if you're going to try to rank or, or decide which car's the rookie card. Yeah, I mean, I look at that 82 – Kidco as know, an XRC, but it's an interesting side card, I guess you would say. Kind of like the 1997 press pass Chase Elliott, him as a baby. You mm -hmm. know, I wouldn't consider that his rookie card, but I, you know, that's definitely something interesting and maybe to collect, but it might not be in the rookie card discussion. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, I just, I just saw that about the, uh, Dale Earnhardt, and you know, thought it was worth at least mentioning. Uh, I know we've covered the '88 Max promo in in some older episodes of in the archives. I think that was episode number 42. We talked about that '88 Max Earnhardt promo. So, uh, and that's and if that's the case, you're looking for information on '83 Uno. That's uh, episode number 31. We talk about the '82 Kidco on episode 50. And the 89 Max on episode number 48. For those keeping track at home. So, But I guess we can leave it there. I don't know if you guys have any other uh, final words you guys want to talk about. Just one quick thing, and it's more Logan than me. But you sent us the picture of what you found in those Target repacks. And... Oh, yeah. I've seen quite the variety of packs included in those. Um Everything from 17 Donruss to 18 Prism, like you're going to hopefully talk about here in a second, all the way back to like 2008 and 8, 9, 10 stuff from Press Pass. So those things are a wide range of options. I think everybody should at least make an attempt to find them because even though Target says they're not selling sports cards, there are some that are making it out. And I've even seen some hockey stuff lately. Uh, but they're all repacks. It's not brand new uh, feeder boxes like we're used to. Well, it's interesting you say that, Jason. 
because last night when I was at Target, I mean, I went in there, <laughs> I literally went in there to get pickles and sour cream. No kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously. But I walked in there and they had those racing blister packs. And not only that, they had blaster boxes of mosaic soccer and they had wow. blaster, they had blaster boxes of that Merlin top soccer. Oh, I bought four boxes of that Merlin. I'm gonna probably trade or sell those. But and some right as I walked in, some other dude walked in. I and, and they had eight boxes of that Merlin, and he got four, and I got four. Uh, so they must have just stocked it. So that tells me that Target is definitely seeing you know blasters come back into the stores. I you know I was hoping to find some Chronicles Racing, but didn't of course didn't see any of that. But I did buy some of those blisters. Uh, of the racing cards and in two of the blisters that I had, I, I really couldn't tell what packs were behind the, the top pack. Cause now when they first started, they were doing two packs and then they had some random open right. cards they were putting in there. Well, they're not doing the random open cards anymore. They just have two packs and that's it. So, but the, uh, what was cool about it was the two packs below the top pack or two of them, they were, uh, 2016 Prism Racing, which, as we all know, that stuff is really dried up. So I was glad to get those. I haven't busted them or opened them up, so I, I just kind of got them, you know, still sealed. So I don't know what to do with them yet. But that stuff's hard to find, and and I think that's a, a great value. I think those things are like 7.99, so you're paying about 3.50 a pack still. So that, that seems a little much, but that those distributors that are creating those blister packs, they must be sitting on a ton of NASCAR wax because they've got stuff from like what Jason said from 2007 to 2017, 2018 Donruss. You just don't see that wax. I know NASCAR has got to have lower print runs than the other sports. It's just, you just do not see that stuff. And then talking with the guys at Panini where they said, you know, 2016 was the least amount printed for nascar and then progress and well progressively but you know increasing from every year there so uh you know 2018 is not uh that plentiful either then compared to say like 2020 done i mean prism so i still think it's 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 low print runs for racing so but that's pretty cool that you found that 2016 that's stuff's hard to find so the hockey stuff because he mentioned the soccer the hockey that i saw was interesting like he said it is the hockey was 2016 and it was every blister pack had one pack of series one and one pack of series two and i think they were 12.99 which is about what you would pay on ebay so there's not like a flip potential but that year and, and i'm not familiar with hockey i just know some of the big names that's the year of austin and matthews young guns card yeah and if you get that young guns it's a 400 dollar card wow is so that it's much not it like yeah and that's raw ungraded so it's not as if these repacks are junk stuff um and i kind of think when people see repack that's what they automatically think because of those tri-star boxes that we saw for years like find the baseball and stuff i think that's just what we've gotten accustomed to but I would keep an eye on this stuff because the hockey they had, I think 20 or 24 and then the next day they were gone. So it's kind of that if you see something like this, grab it and uh, figure it out later almost because it's not going to be there the next day. I I agree. I I wanted to go back to target that target tonight. In fact, it's really weird. This target is in Collierville. And, which is the next suburb, suburb over from where I live. And they just recently reopened because they had a fire. <laughs> they, I, they had a fire that they said started over in their uh, uh, freezer section, which seemed odd to me. But they just reopened it. So I don't know if, if that's some reason why they got these, these blaster boxes and stuff and other targets didn't. Because I'll be honest with you, last night after I saw those, uh, I have a couple more targets that are within 15 minutes of me. So I went to those other targets and they had absolutely nothing, nothing, uh, you know, no racing blisters, no, no, uh, blasters, no, nothing. 
So I don't know if it's just because this store has restocked because of their fire. Because they gutted it pretty much. Because I guess everything had a smoke smell to it. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that's the reason. But, you know, for sure, Target is getting blaster boxes of cards. So if anybody out there, I'd go hit your targets, man, because it looks like they're coming back. Yeah, I checked mine. I have not seen any of those repacks. Now, I have seen folks post on the nut site and some of their hits. So, you know, they're getting autographs and some other stuff out of them. So I think did I see they got uh, was a Britney Force and a few others out of the 2017 Donruss pack. So. Yeah, I haven't hit any autos. I bought several of them uh, at other targets, you know, and we found some on the way to the national. But I've hit several memorabilia cards. I mean, a bunch. It's they're they're. I would say about one out of every two or three, you're going to get a memorabilia card. So they're worth it if you're looking for memorabilia cards for sure. It's a, it's not a bad price, and you know, scratch that itch. Since we only have a few products a year, so. Uh, you know, we, we're, I guess, looking forward to Prism later on, I guess, September, October, and then National Treasure. So, yeah, that, that's why I bought those things just something to bust. You know, it's like you said, scratch that itch. So, and speaking of uh, scratching that itch, next week um, we'll talk about Chronicles and maybe let you guys do a deep dive into Chronicles and see what kind of subset, which subsets you guys like, which ones you don't like, maybe what uh, we'd like to see or not see in uh, Chronicles next year. So, uh, yeah, special shout out to Panini for, uh, for some product for us to review. Yep. Shout out to Tracy Hackler, friend of the show. And all the, all the guys at Panini, and all the guys, Scotty yeah, and DJ Tim and DJ. Yep. And Nick. Nick. But that'll be next week. Anything else, guys? I don't think so. All right. Nope. Enjoy uh, the wrestling. I want to hear about that when you come back. Absolutely. That sounds like cool fun. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please like, share the podcast, share NASCAR trading cards with your friends. And from me and the guys, we will see you next week.